and welcome back to another episode of The Dating Games, the only and number one podcast for both a male and female perspective on the complex world that is modern dating with your agony aunt and uncle Natalie and me, Damien. In this episode made possible by Primal Studios, we're going to talk about damaging a relationship and its overall productivity, focus and goals. What we mean by that is, is starting a new relationship going to hinder your productivity? If Mm -hmm. you feel that this is something that's happening to you, then listen up. Do you feel you get distracted or you lose sight of like your own wants when you enter a relationship? Does a new relationship damage your productivity? I think most people listening to this will say yes. I think so, to a degree. Mm. I think everybody suffers from a degree. Mm. Although I think most people in relationships will want to say no, you got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to start with some stats as we like to do and then discuss them. Um, And Damien, thank you for doing some prep for this one. I got to thank you. My pleasure. Researcher Hank van Steenberg of the... First of all, sorry, best name ever. Book one. Hank van Steenberg of the Leiden University Institute of Psychology. Study involving 40 three participants who were in new relationships lasting six months or less, okay? Um, They were given specific tasks that measured their ability to separate relevant and irrelevant information. The results revealed a serious decline in their concentration and task performance when in this new relationship. And the study highlighted that individuals in the early stages of a romantic relationship experienced high levels of passionate love that we want mm. but this directly impacted their cognitive control and the obsessive nature of the love or it could be lust maybe more accurately calling it um really put constraints on their ability to excel on tasks requiring self control straight away when you know we came up with this topic idea and i read this i was like this has potentially been what has put such fear in me to get into a new relationship because I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very particular with like my schedule and my to-do list. And I felt like meeting anyone would hamper that. It would hamper my career progression, my professional development, my personal development. And I wasn't ready to let anyone um, hamper that. Yeah. But also I was probably guilty of letting a past relationship you know, like that one when I was like 21, hamper that dramatically yeah, and, and take me over. And that's where you are now because like any other um, fear of a new relationship, you're allowing a past experience to impact this one. I think it just took me so long though to do the work to try and not let it. But I also think it took meeting the right person for me to realize, yeah, sorry, I'll stop ranting in a minute. Yes, I think being in a new relationship does hamper your productivity. But I think being in a new relationship with the right person, it's only going to do it at a minute level. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when you do go back and put the work into whatever it is you're doing after obviously giving someone more time that you're not used to giving them, you actually double down and do a lot more on that work because you want to do it for for you, always for you, but yeah. also for the both of you. Yeah, absolutely. If you like, We'll touch on it later on in the show notes. We have it about having the right support mechanism and Mm. how that can improve your productivity and and your work ethic and everything else like that. If you have the right person there that's kind of pushing you to to strive and and chase your goals. So if you've got a good work ethic and you have someone that enables that and pushes that within you, then 
then you're going to excel in that. Yeah. So psychologist Dorothy Kenneth describes this as limerence. Now, I had never heard of what limerence was before um, this. So limerence is the state of being infatuated or obsessed with another person typically experienced um, an involuntary or characteristic by a strong desire for one's feelings. Um, and it's not primarily for sexual relationships. So an all-encompassing state um, where an individual's priorities for their new partner, um, they prioritize that over their friends, their family, their work, other responsibilities, and even themselves. I cannot believe this is a term that I didn't know about sooner because I feel like I have witnessed so many relationships um, n- not my own. But now you're going to walk around and go, limerence, 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 limerence. limerence. Sounds the, like a Harry Potter spell. The smell of limerence off you. Limerence. The whack of limerence off him. Like that sort of thing. Limerence. Can we get this term to be far more known? Because it's going to save us a lot of um, words. Yeah. Because we spend so long describing the fact that, oh, your one is obsessed with him. Like she's forgotten about her family, her friends, let everything go, let her work go. Yeah. Um, Nah, she's just in a state of limerence. Yeah. I am limerenced. Limerencing. <laughs> is that how you, like, like give me it in as a verb. Uh, she's limerenced. Do you know what I mean? Or, I would say, as you said, a state of limerence. She's in a state of limerence. I would say that's how yeah. it is. Yeah, AKA yeah. the whack of limerence off you. The whack of Do you limerence. think you've ever suffered from limerence? Absolutely. Do you know when you say a word so many times, you're like, is that actually a word? Yeah. I'm like that with And then because we're Irish then we put an accent on it so it's like limerick limerence 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 I think I did in my that first serious relationship when I was like 20 um, So I'll touch later on the show notes why I suffer with it um, So go on Naki. Yeah Now I don't think I think I did somewhat I don't think I was I feel like everything that we kind of discuss here this is probably a what's the word like there's a scale and you're at, there's a spectrum nearly. There's a spectrum of limerence. Yep. And I think when you enter into a new relationship, you can definitely, I think everyone is on the limerence spectrum somewhere. So I think in my very first serious relationship, I was very high up in that spectrum. Um, and it did cause me to maybe not prioritize myself and prioritize them more, even though they weren't doing it for me. I think when you're in a relationship, it's so important. Like you just, you have to constantly take someone else's feelings into account. But I do think you should always be putting yourself first at the same time. But knowing how your actions are maybe going to affect them. And I think that's where when you are in a state of limerence, you just stop doing that. And you're letting their actions affect you, but keeping quiet about it. Um, I don't think I've suffered from it too bad. A little bit, but I don't mm. think I've been too bad. Yeah. I think um, for me personally, like I, I'm, I'm probably kind of high up on that kind of spectrum. Probably less so now because I'm so focused on work because I have so much going on. I, yeah. Like if I physically can't like neglect it, if that makes sense. As I've I've known you for so long, I I can actually see that change where I can see you coming down on that um, spectrum like if you yeah. were saying that but like you know when you meet someone I can feel like you have and I feel like I have too but we definitely both have done it in, in different ways yeah, like when yeah. I talk about that relationship where I feel like I prof- probably was highest up on that spectrum I still was in my final year of college I still did my final year exams while I was with him and not in a big head of way but it still came out top of my class with my degree in Trinity that makes no difference because I didn't use it anyway it went down this morning but that's where I mean I don't think I suffered from it dramatically or I would have let him affect my grades. And I didn't. Yeah, I don't think I've suffered with it 
to the degree to where it's actually impacted your work, life, yeah. my work or my life or anything else like well, that. Well, maybe work, but it would impact your life. We all let it impact our life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, and I've had friends allowed to, like we're we're nowhere near as close as we are as we once were because they got into serious relationships or they've got married yeah. or whatever else it is, and now we we barely even speak mm. like at all. It's partly adulthood, and you do have those people as we all do, where mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, okay, they're in a relationship. I understand we're not going to have the same amount of communication or meetups that, that we once did. That becomes our new life. And that's okay. That that's becomes okay. our new life. Like, yeah. Um, like, for example, like my friend got married and then he has his career. So they're his priorities. Yeah. So I am no longer a priority. And that will and that's become absolutely your fine priority because, as well. Yeah, one day. And that's hmm. absolutely fine that I'm not one of his priorities anymore because that's life. Yeah. That, that is absolutely life. Yeah. So from a scientific standpoint... Part of this comes down to hormones. hormones. Comes down to the chemicals that our brain release. So when someone gets the feels, um, catch flights, not feels. Um, <laughs> when someone that we like touches us or is intimate with us, uh, shows us affections, our brain releases a hormone called oxytocin. So oxytocin is a happy hormone. It's the stuff our brain releases after you've had sex, particularly if someone makes you come. Um, it's why women... Do you still release it if you don't orgasm? You will, but you'll release it in different doses. Okay, yeah. So if a, if a man can get you to finish, yeah, you're gonna, you're, you're generally gonna get the feels for much quicker. It's gonna be overflowing, right? But it's not funny because so many people have sex without any um, feels. Yeah, so they're not releasing it to to they're not releasing any, or they're not releasing it to the same degree. And because, like as you said, there people can have sex without catching the feels. This is why women catch the feels much earlier or much sooner than men do particularly when you become intimate with them. And it's because women produce it at a much higher rate. And that's due to your anatomy as a woman because you produce it when you're in labor. It helps with your contractions and it helps you bond with the baby. So that's why women will catch feels much quicker than men will. I wonder, do you, like I literally don't know, right? Um, I wonder, do you release, I feel like this is going to get like into a saucy episode. Go on. Do you release more oxytocin if your orgasm lasts longer because I feel like orgasms for women they can last a long time if it's gone about a certain way whereas for men I don't think it, like I mean that that ult, that high highest high feeling for no, women can last th- for so much longer yeah there's an men. actual stat on that so like um, I think the average uh, female orgasm lasted more than double the average time yeah. a male does so I wonder deep. And women can have women can generally have multiple orgasms when men most of the time wouldn't. Yeah. So there's I would I would imagine yeah you're you're, you're if you're having multiple orgasms your brain is probably just pumping out more of it oxytocin yeah, to be advantage like more yeah. Of it. And another point you have here which is really good is that unfortunately oxytocin also promotes sleep and makes you feel relaxed. So you're going to be less productive because of the oxytocin. Um and that's why it's easier to sleep after sex or masturbation. Um again topics we can dive into now or another day, but it does it makes a lot of sense so literally as much as you try and fight us on this one and say no getting into a new relationship or you know becoming more physical with my partner is not affecting my productivity at all it literally on a physiological level probably will affect a little bit yeah a little bit and if it's not it's because you're actively fighting against it yeah 
Do you know what I mean? You're you're actively consciously going. No, I have to work now. I have yeah. I have to not pay attention to that. Like, oh, I've definitely done that in do the past. Mean? Where yeah. you're no stop. Don't touch me. I've too much to do. Yeah, you're you're forcing focus. Yeah. in another realm, and th- that's something that's also trained as well. Like because mm. particularly, like I'll touch on uh, later on in the episode why I struggle with it a little bit is um, you need to learn how to force that focus yeah. when something needs to be done, like forcing yourself a deadline. Um, otherwise, if you have this like infatuation with someone, if you're in a state of limerence, that's where you'll neglect the work because you want that dopamine hit. You want the oxytocin yeah. hit that you're going to get from your partner. So it's funny. I think when you say that, obviously, when we speak about these things, I kind of reflect on my character and how it affects me. And I hope that in sharing that, someone might be listening and going, yeah, me too. Or God, that makes sense. I think I have been so good um, or potentially, though, in a negative way up until now and even still now I'm, I'm trying to stop doing it. you know where you were like it's trained thing where you can be like no stop this is what I have to do this is my deadline this is the work I have to do I think I've been pushing any form of limerence so far away that I have pushed people away mm. um but I think that now that I've found someone I really want to let in, at least as of recording this podcast and hopefully still when it comes out, um, it's actually been difficult for me at times to let that trained boundary down mm-hmm. and be like, look, I know how uh, regimented I can be with things. I know what I have to get done, but I also want to take this person into consideration. And I, I, I also know when he has things that he needs to do and I need to just let him do it. But there's there's such an element of giving and taking that I have not let myself even tiptoe into for years because I've been so broken, I guess, um, in the past that I was like, nope, I'm setting this boundary. I'm setting this boundary. I'm setting this boundary. And we've done an episode before on, you know, kind of like getting over that fear of having your heart broken. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's been really hard for me to do, to stop because I've been training myself for so long to not let anyone hamper who I am, what I'm working on, like step onto my, you know, or knock down my productivity, that trying to find that balance has been a process that I've had to bring up in counselling, just for me, just for me, Mm. because I've been like, how do I let go of this control? I have had such control over my life and every little thing down to the hours and seconds that I sleep. How do I let go of that and be a little bit more relaxed without letting it go completely? Such a fear that I'm going to let it go completely. Whereas... I'm actually nearly doing myself more of a disservice by not letting it go even just a little bit. Yeah. I Does think, that makes sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I think when you find the right person, uh, the right person will enable that balance because mm, so they'll true. they'll understand when you're really busy and you need to prioritize work and they will almost leave you alone. They'll give you the space. They'll push you into your work and say, I'm here when you're done. And it's it's about yeah. finding that someone that someone with that mentality. And I've always had this fear that they won't understand, even though they say it. I'm like, yeah, but you won't understand. Yeah. Or it's like, like for example, last night, um, like he came over and he just sat there, like chilling, doing his thing, watching whatever, which is fine because it's like you know ten o'clock at night. Whereas I'm like, yeah, you can come over, but I have to sit and do work. You know, we were prepping for the pod, and this, mm-hmm. that's the way self employment goes. Some nights are late, some days are quiet. Um. But it was the first time I was like, okay, yeah, this is actually fine. Someone can, like, they do understand. And they're, they're just, not, and they're happy to sit in your yeah, company. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah, really yeah. nice, like. 
Yeah, absolutely. So like my experience with it is is a little bit different. Mm. Um, so I have here in my show notes, does having ADHD or ADD uh, affect this? So like obviously I'm no no doctor, but there's some experience, some a little bit of experience there. Um, and studies, but also a little bit of common sense would say that it absolutely does because when you're in a state of limerence, you're going to be, uh, it's essentially like a hyper six, uh, fixation trait. So when you're seeing someone you're and you're interested in someone, um, what's going to happen is they're going to become a hyperfixation. Um, and yeah. that happens with me. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Um, I appreciate you being so honest and sharing this because you've shared the fact that you have ADHD. Mm. Um, I've, I can't remember if we discussed this before. Like, were you diagnosed years ago? Were, were you diagnosed by a doctor? No. No, it was actually um, going to therapy. Okay, so a therapist diagnosed you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of, I hope like, you don't mind me asking. No, no. You're so welcome to be like, oh, don't answer that. But I just, um, I wasn't sure. Yeah. So there's yeah. no kind of like, um, you know, a doctor medical diagnosis, but a therapist has basically said like, you 100% have it. Like, and it, yeah. like anything else, it's like a scale. Yeah. Um, so when people say to me like, how can you go back to all your DMs? How can you go back to all your comments? Like, how can you be doing all of this? And I always like, you know that uh, TikTok audio ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's literally me. Like, my brother set up a watch uh, Instagram page and um, he sent me the link to his Instagram page at 1907. And at 1911, I sent them back a full logo, like, completely built up for his for his page. And he was, yeah. like, he was like, fuck, that's fast. And I was yeah. like, I was like, ADHD. <laughs> um, so there's a wonderful article from uh, bestselfpsych.com that goes on to say that ADHD brains have trouble regulating their dopamine or their nephrephrine. Dan, how do we say this again? Nephr. Norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. <laughs> Close. Um, <laughs> Close enough. Um, so basically, these are like neurotransmitters in the brains that help us feel like motivated, accomplished, focused. Um, essentially, someone with ADHD, it's kind of like a faucet. It's kind of like a tap, your sink, uh, when you turn it on. But well, particularly in Ireland, that is. Like, it, it depends if you left the immersion on or not. Um, when you turn it on, it's either going to be hot or it's cold. You're going to have a hyperfixation or it's not. So with me, I will do 20 things to the 10th degree and I'll smash every one of them. Or yeah. I'll do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and it's the same when I get into a relationship. It's like, here's all of me or here's none of me. Mm. And that's where I've really struggled to find that balance but that's due to how my brain works. I do think a lot of people are like this with specific things that maybe don't have an ADHD diagnosis. Um, mm. I, I do think you're right in saying that, like knowing you so well, I do think that, but I think you use it to your advantage so fucking well. Like, do you know, when it comes to everything else, we learn, we learn from the past and when it comes to doing it and things that maybe didn't serve you as well. Um, and I'm not saying that, I'm saying that you might feel that way, you know, because you've said it from past relationships. Mm. But I think for me, like, I can relate to this in a sense, reading it. Now, I I always feel weird speaking about things like OCD or ADHD because I do joke about it. And then I'm like, it's unfair potentially for me to say that, well, I think I have it a bit when some people are probably struggling dramatically and have been diagnosed. But I did, like, say one of those tests online with my friend Kate when we were on holidays. And, like, hers was like, no, you're fine. And mine was like, yeah, you definitely have it. Like, so who knows? Mm -hmm. But like as someone who struggled with um, an eating disorder, and I've spoke about this before, I feel like every time I say that, I need to say it wasn't necessarily full on bulimia or it wasn't anorexia at all. It was like this addiction to being in control. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's what all disorders are, but it's like I had to eat a certain amount of calories a day. I don't want to trigger anyone by talking about this, but I had to do a certain amount of exercise. But like I, I blocked out everything else because I was like, I'm just going to focus on, I, I hyper fixated on mm-hmm. all of these things. And that's just what then snowballed to develop a disorder that got quite serious. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to switch off that hyperfixation. So I do think I relate in a sense to the level of hyperfixation that you're explaining in relationships, but in a different way. Um, so that's where I think everyone can probably think of something in their lives that they hyperfixated on for a period that didn't serve them. And that balance was so difficult to find. Yeah. How did you... So do you think in the past that you hyperfixated like on a person in a way that negatively served you? Uh, yes. And how yeah, did you absolutely. then break that down or, or find that balance or realize that? How did it come to your realization that you did? Yeah. So like I say here, like it's actually towards the very end of the show notes, but I'll just touch on it here. It's like one of the topics is like how to find balance, which is the question yeah. that you've just asked me there. Um, I mean, that's that's a question that you can apply to life. I mean, that yeah, was the name of my radio show, Building Balance. No one, this is one thing. Oh, can I say this here? Because it fits in me. Yes, go on. I heard this line before. You kind of have to think about it. I may have said it here, but I never forgot it from someone who has lived with an extreme. Extremes are easy. Balance is what's difficult. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that applies to everything. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, finding that balance, which is which is difficult, was um, we talk all the time about self-development and being on that journey and being aware of yourself and what's, go- what's going on is so invaluable because it's it's like anything else, right? So like if you've got a sore knee, right? And you go to the doctor and the doctor goes, okay, this is where your knee is sore. This is how we fix it, right? So if you feel that you're in a state of limerence or you're hyperfixating on something, um, go to a doctor, you go to a therapist, you figure out what's actually going on. Why am I hyperfixating on this? So whether you have a, a, a official diagnosis or whether you don't, there is no reason why you can't go to a therapist and be mm-hmm. like, this is how I'm acting in relationships and I'm finding that they're negatively impacting other parts of my life. Whether that's like other relationships with your siblings, with your family, with your work, with yourself, whatever it is. Um, I want to know why. And then they can give you the tools. And that's exactly the tools. So I have here on my show now, Sarah. Right? So when we're experiencing limerence, we are hyperfixating on the fantasy of someone or a relationship with them. And that's what's flooding our brains with the dopamine and, and those other, you know, happy hormones that we yeah. feel, right? And for me, it was the word fantasy in there. Because when I was hyperfixating on like obsessing over the idea of being with somebody and you're painting all these pictures in your head and you're thinking like oh well look we can get married and this is what our kids would look like and this is where we're going to live and and all these other things and especially like early on in the relationship it was when I was going through all of that that was my mindset all the time and then when it didn't work out then it was like going from like here to here it was Mm -hmm. like this huge huge dip and then it would you know take me a a while to kind of bounce back from it but I guess that that kind of is the definition of getting your heart broken. But some people feel it far more deeply because of yeah. this. Yeah, but then the issue was, like, unlike you, what you said, like, where you had experienced it there and then you were like, okay, boundary. Yeah. There was no boundary with me, ever. Yeah. So we talked about, like, my ability to bounce back and everything and then doing the research for this. Like, this is probably a, a, a reason why I can be so vulnerable and bounce back so okay, easy. yeah. Because my brain just, it doesn't allow me 
to not not that it doesn't allow me to feel heartbreak, but it doesn't allow me to set those boundaries because my brain goes, here's loads of happy hormones because this person is making you feel nice and you're hyper fixating yeah. on this fantasy that is is potentially there. But then when you fall, like yeah. when you said when that ends and mm. you go from here to here, is that not the heartbreak? Do you not you do feel that? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, well, depending on how deeply connected with that person you are, absolutely. But I think you are quite good. We spoke about this before mm. at getting the happy hormones back up quite quickly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I kind of have this mindset, like pretty much all the time, and I apply it to most things in my life. And like, um, if I can't control it, I can only control how I react to it. And if it's not going to kill me, mm. then why worry about it? I like all of these things I know, yeah. but I find it really hard to take heed of them in mm. the moment. Like my gut, when I get a gut feeling about anything, like let's say I have a gut feeling that like in the past I knew said boy was going to end things or break up with me or that it wasn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. And I was asking the question that I knew was going to be the end of it because I knew his answer wasn't going to be what I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. but like when I get those gut feelings, when I know something, I can't shake them. Like I, I struggle to put them aside. Or even if I know that that the guy I'm seeing is is hurting over something, something's gone wrong for him. I will, maybe that's being an empath, mm -hmm. take that on board. And although it's nothing I can control, it's not going to kill me. There's nothing I can do about it. I shouldn't let it bother me. I get so bogged down by it. Yeah, so. Because I feel for them. I'll be similar that way when it comes to other people, but never with myself. I know I'd be like it myself. So if too. it's with me, like I always think, like you know, there's someone out there that is, is like worse off. Is, like, that's way mm. worse off. There's someone in a hospital right now fighting for their life. As yeah. we speak right now, there's someone in some hospital somewhere down the road that's literally fighting for their life, and I'm worried. Look, that, you just think about Gaza. Yeah, or like you know, or what's going on in Ukraine, or all these you things, know, all yeah. these things all over the world. But I guess that's where for some you're so right, and that's where you're brilliant at bringing perspective into it. But a lot of people snowball and lose perspective yeah. um, in moments of particularly heartbreak. Yeah, absolutely. And like there, there is a there is a case for perspective because like, okay, it might be difficult for you to um, empathize with somebody who's you know standing at a hospital bed mm. down the road right now yeah. as we speak, and there's a family member losing their life, fighting yeah. for their life, and they're losing you know, someone that they truly, deeply love mm. and, and their world is coming to an end right now. And I can put perspective and be like, well, there's like, I can't be upset that I didn't get a text back. Someone's losing their father right now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you even just describing that situation to me now, I've just got sad. My gut just got sad. Yeah, and that's and hypothetical. My, my whole body just got goosebumps. <laughs> like yeah. from my head down to my toe, I'm covered in goosebumps. And you're just speaking about a hypothetical situation. Like I find it so hard to be less empath. Yeah, but like I, I take that empathy and use it to my advantage in order to just like I have no reason to be upset right now. It's the same as like someone gives me a hate comment online. I'm just like, yeah. dude, like, and I'm, I really don't, I really don't I'm just going to roast you on my close friends. I'll just roast, yeah, I'll just roast you on my close friends just for the crack, <laughs> like, and that's just because like all my mates find the funny and I find the funny as well, like. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the way I look at that is, is twofold, right? Mm. So depending on the person and depending on how often they do it, I'll either look at them. So you'll notice if I done it for every single hate comment that I get, that's all my Instagram would be. It would just be me responding to hate comments because there's so many of them. Yeah. But there's so many of them that I look at and 
I use empathy as a tool for me because yeah. I, I look uh, what they're saying, I look at their profile and then I almost feel sorry for them because it's just pure projection and that's why they're they're putting it out there. And that's me using empathy as a, as a tool because yeah. I feel sorry for them. And then that helps me deal with the hate comments. Mm. And a lot of this is though, like you are, you're a happy guy. You know, we all have our times where we get sad and we feel things more deeply, but you're a very happy person. Oh yeah. When people see happiness, they just hate on that. Like me right now, I know people are saying things, you know, I've, I've oh, got yeah. the messages being like, you don't need to worry about that. And I'm like, I'm not believing. <laughs> I just blew it down. We, we even had a conversation here just before starting recording about something that was kind of said or hinted at. And I'm like, like people say things, but you just, you got to always try and be yeah, prepared for that. And, and if, you're gonna, if you're going to say it, say it in the comment section because the, we love the engagement. Haters pay the bills. So I'll put it this way. I, 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 but yeah, I really don't care. And people say to me all the time, like, oh, Damien, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm smashing. Life is lifing. My life is amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm so lucky to do what I, what I do. Life is life. And to have the I'm opportunities. Live, live, laugh, love. Whatever the TikTok says. <laughs> like, live, laugh, love. Or like, my, <laughs> like, what's that quote? And it's just like, oh. life is not live, laugh, loving right now or something like that. Yeah. My life <laughs> is live, laugh, loving right now. Like, I swear to God, like, I'm, I'm so lucky and so privileged to be in the position that I am, to have the opportunities that I have, to do the work that I do, to have the audience that I have, to have the platform that I have, mm. to have the friends, the family. Damien's about to go into a thank you speech here. I'd no, like to take like, this moment to thank my... Uh, but, like... No, but you're so right. I, we don't, none of us take enough time to step back no. and um, practice gratitude. But I do that every single day. Mm. Every, every single day. Not for a single moment do I ever forget how lucky and privileged I am. Ever. Keeps you humbled, yeah. Because it took me over a decade to get where I am now. And it takes a second to lose it all. Mm. And the second you lose it all is the second you, you lose yourself. The second I start blowing steam up my own arse, the second I start thinking I'm the Billy Big Bollocks, is the second it all starts to melt away. So mm. you need to be grounded and you need to be humble. And I think... Going back to our, our topic, like all of those things helps me not hyperfixate on a relationship and not hyperfixate on work because I'm really paying attention to all of the different things that I'm that I'm, you know, grateful for in, in my life. I'm not hyperfixating on I'm so happy that she's in my life. Because I'm so happy that I have this going on. I'm so happy that I have you as a friend. I'm so happy that I have such a great relationship with my siblings, with my parents. Mm. Like that helps me not hyperfixate. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I went to therapy and they showed me that I'm hyperfixating. They told me. So now I'm aware of it. So when I do hyperfixate on it. counselling, it's game changing. Like yeah. I don't think I do it to the degree that you might have done in the past. Um, and that's just, you know, different brains, different folks, different strokes. But that said, when I went to counselling again just recently, she made me so aware of, of how I treat relationships and hyperfixation and this term limerence, although none of it came up, basically it is what we were speaking about because I was questioning things I do with her trying to work around them. And that's exactly what it was. It made me realize how we as humans hyperfixate on certain things, how damaging it can be. But when you are made aware and your friend isn't going to make you aware, no. you are never going to make yourself aware of something like this you because can't. you're too busy hyperfixating. Mm. You have to go to someone who is on the outside. And when I say on the outside, I don't mean a friend or family member. I mean a therapist or counsellor. Yeah. And people need to like, oh my God, the amount of conversations I have had 
in the last year, particularly with friends and close friends who have been like, yeah, I really should go to counselling or like I sent the email or I sent the message, but nah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Going to see a therapist or counsellor, we say this time and time again, but like as two people who've both done it and do it whenever we need to, like it always hits my reset button, it will benefit your relationships so much. But also, I mean, this is the dating games, like your romantic relationship. It will, if you feel you are someone who really um, lets their productivity and their focus be damaged and hampered when you meet someone new and you're putting up a wall and you're stopping letting someone in because of that or vice versa, you you realize you're in a high state of limerence and you're now really struggling to get yourself back on a productivity track. The second you go to one like therapy session or counseling session, provided you gel with said um, professional and bring this up, like you're just going to improve 10 times fold. Oh, yeah. But you got to go and do this work so that your productivity and your focus is not damaged. I don't think, I, as much as I hope this episode really helps people who feel like they do become damaged um, in terms of their focus and productivity from a relationship, I really do hope it's enough. Um, but I really also don't think it is. I think you have to go no. and speak to someone on a one-to-one level and get to know you from someone who's on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, there's the age old quote that like knowledge is is power. You can't fix something unless you know what the cause is, what the root cause is. It's it's like anything in this entire world. Mm-hmm. If you're having an issue in your, in your relationship, you can't fix it unless both of you communicate. Oh my God, communication. Right? So if you communicate with your partner about an issue, you now have knowledge of the issue and now you can fix it, right? <laughs> This is the exact same thing. A therapist or someone like that is going to show you, tell you, make you aware of what's going on in your brain, in like your emotion, whether it's past trauma, whatever it is, they're going to show you and make you aware of why you're doing certain things. Like whether it is past trauma that you're carrying forward or whether it is a chemical imbalance in your brain like ADHD or something like that where your brain is just flooding your brain full of dopamine. But what I think as well, so communication, key, right? But I think we live in a world where so many people now actually don't want to spend a second in silence with their own thoughts. So often communication can scare people away because if you communicate something, particularly in relationships, which we have to do, we know it's the bedrock of all connections. If you... (laughs) I don't the yawn. Natalie's laughing because I've done the yawn. I got through a whole other episode without doing the yawn. But to be fair, I could up. probably do one soon too. It creeped up. Oh God, it throws me <laughs> off. But I've realized that sometimes people will avoid communication because it leads them to overthinking or having to think. Many people nowadays will avoid being with their own thoughts. We know this. So communication is avoided in relationships because once you... If I communicated something to you about how I felt about us as friends, or we've we've had tough conversations too. And mm-hmm. like we have to when we're working on something together as well. But people don't do it because it leads them to confrontation and overthinking, which they don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it, it scares me as to where the world is going and where relationships and connections are going because people avoid communication because they don't want confrontation, but they also don't want to have to think stop yeah you know what I mean? and I think uh, apart from like 
like I said, like making you aware of certain things, right? Or helping you deal with certain things, right? One of the things I've learned from going to therapy more than anything else that I apply to my everyday life, right? Is the ability to have tough conversations, right? Because your therapist will provoke a conversation that you are uncomfortable with. Yeah. But the benefit is there, you're speaking to someone that you have no emotion to. You don't know them on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So there's no emotion there. You don't feel attacked. So it's easier to have that conversation and to be and to let it blurt out, right? And the more you do that, it's like anything else. Like I said in the previous episode, rejection is like a muscle that is that is flexed, and it's like you can learn to deal with rejection. You will learn how to have difficult conversations and deal with conflict and bring up those you tough conversations. Your mind is a muscle. Your mind, yeah. You train it to do certain things, particularly Absolutely. the things that you find uncomfortable. Become comfortable. It's conditioning. The first run you do, the first run. No one likes running. No one likes running when they start off. No and one, even the second. No one likes running ever. And the third. But there's so many people <laughs> listening to this that do highly disagree. Like, I loved running. I got injured. I couldn't run for two years. I started back and I hated it starting back for a solid six months. But I knew I'd learn to love it again. And I did. Um, and it's discipline that got me there. It wasn't motivation. Mm. Um, I'm not saying I find it easy every single day or anything, but it's the same with your mind and having to do the work on training your mind to view things a certain way or to stop your thoughts from snowballing or to stop yourself falling into a state of limerence and mm -hmm. put up the boundaries and no one to take down the boundaries. It's the same thing. It's going to be discipline. It's not motivation. It doesn't happen overnight. You got to do the really uncomfortable things to get you to this state of being a better boundary setter, a person as a whole. Yeah, you're, like, you're absolutely spot on. You touched on it earlier on. I think we both touched on it earlier on about whether it's setting those boundaries or forcing yourself to be productive. Like mm. park that for a minute. Don't touch me or don't come over and hang out until I'm finished this, whatever it is. You can't do that unless you are aware of the level of limerence that you may or may not be in. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to discipline. <clears throat> it comes down to discipline because it's like anything else, right? If you're training in the gym and... People always ask... Where do you get the motivation? You don't. You don't. It's, it's discipline. It's discipline. It's discipline. It's the same as like you could be training in the gym and walk past the McDonald's. You have two options. You be disciplined and you continue walking or you lose your discipline and you walk inside. So if you're in a state of limerence, you have two options. You either stay disciplined and focus on your work until your work is done mm. or you walk inside that McDonald's and you have cuddles on the couch and then you but get nothing done. this is where that really, um, you know, complex conversation starts of like you can hyperfixate. that. Like discipline can cause you to hyperfixate on the wrong things as well. Yeah. Um, and that's where I come back to my statement of extremes are easy. Balance is what's more difficult. You can push everyone away and be extremely focused on your career. And that's more easy than trying to establish um, balance. balance or the right boundaries between romantic relationships, friendships, um, your own mental well-being and your career. Trying to balance all of those is way more difficult than being hyperfixated or in a state of limerence. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is where... I'm throwing my hands all around the place here. <laughs> hands are just like, just like Oprah. Um, <laughs> I think this is where it's important to find someone that's on your level, on your wavelength. Um, as in, doesn't have to be the same field, but is in a similar kind of... Similar level of... Similar of level. Drive and discipline. Yeah, like... Um, Maybe. Like if you're self-employed, you need to be with someone like we're... 
like you need to be disciplined and self-motivated. I know we're saying like discipline versus motivation, but you need to be self-motivated if you want to be self-employed because you need to get up and do shit when you yeah. need to get it done. You need to be with someone that has that same sort of level of, of drive. And that's not to say that there's, you know... I think we've both realized that over the last year. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely big time. And that's not me saying that like I'm any better than someone that like you know works a nurse in a, or a teacher yeah it's a nurse not. or a teacher like my the world's apart my ex of six years is a teacher of course yeah. it's one of the healthiest relationships that I've ever had I couldn't think of a bad word to say about this yeah. girl that I tried she's absolutely wonderful she's absolutely perfect but our life went to two very different trajectories when my career took off solo self-employed yeah it's very hard to establish I know there'll be exceptions, there always is, yeah. but it's very hard to establish a mutual understanding of um, the, the needs of someone who's self-employed and those someone who is not. Like I saw someone who was a teacher too and at the end of the day, he could leave work at the door. At mm. the end of the day, I can't. I don't mind that. I love what I do. I love mm -hmm. searching for new content. I love prepping for a radio show. I love teaching a dance class. But like they couldn't understand why I couldn't switch off. But when you're with someone else who is self-employed, they get it. You're bouncing ideas off each other. There's yeah. passion in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Like even like trying to grow a YouTube channel. Like so if you do a vlog, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You vlog the entire day. When do you think you edit that? It's late at night. Mm -hmm. It's late at night because you're going to post it either that night or the next morning. Yeah. And then the next morning, what do you do? You start a new video. And then when do you edit that? It's late at night. But you kind of accept that like this is the path I'm going, this is the work I'm doing and I yeah. love doing it. But someone who's gone down the path of being um, say a nurse or a teacher, like I do envy it. I do envy the freedom that they have sometimes and I know it's tough. I'm not saying it's, it's free for a second but the ability that not everyone but some people have being able to switch off at night. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, but like, agreed. If I had gone down the route of being a teacher which I could have too. Do you know, I would have definitely saw myself developing a romantic relationship with someone else who could also leave work at work at 4 or 5 p.m. at the end of the day. Yeah, like your lifestyles need to align. I can see how if I was a teacher, I'd find it difficult to be with me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like with the, with the age gas episode, we talked about like, when the two ages are quite far apart, it's about whether the lifestyles align and whether yeah. you're both in the same um, maturity maturity bracket. bracket. But also, like if you're in the same point in your life. So, for mm. for example, like if you're a young guy and you're not ready to have kids, but she's an older woman, she's absolutely ready ready mm. to have kids. You're in two different points within your life, and when it comes that to that, can't be overlooked. No, it, it can't yeah. be like, and that's it goes the same way with this and like finding a partner that doesn't impact your productivity and your focus and your career in a negative way. It's about finding someone that is within the same lifestyle as you. It doesn't need to be the same work. It doesn't need to be the same field, but they need to understand it. They need yeah. to have a similar lifestyle. And don't settle for anything less by that person who will understand it. Um, and for someone who you can learn to understand. And there are exceptions, as we said. Yeah. Um, it's not a case of like, if you're an influencer, date an influencer. No. That's n that is not the case. 
like there will, if you're an influencer with a million followers and your life is absolutely crazy, there could be a school teacher out there that absolutely gets you down to the ground like or vice versa. Here, we are always naturally speak a bit from experience. It's very hard not to. Yeah. Um, but you're so right because if we don't continuously say that there are exceptions we'll get slated <laughs> yeah there is and, and that, that's also like a, a human thing like it, it's 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 never as black and white as it yeah. seems like you know there is a huge grey area that lots of people operate in like so and a lot of you actually sometimes we get like responses to our podcast on Spotify where you can like post people's responses in the Q&A and I've been doing that anytime we get a response and we'll, we'll publish it so you can always comment on like the podcast and your thoughts on the actual episode on Spotify, if that's where you're listening. Because um, yeah. they're always fun to read through and we can take them on board for future episodes as well. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to the Instagram comments where we're intentionally taking ourselves out of context. Yeah, to um, give it a bit of hype. Yeah, well, <laughs> I get slayed in them all the time. I should probably be kinder to myself in the edit, but sure enough. And every time I am, if I send like, you know, sections that I think should be put into the, the reel, I'm always like... If you're sure, in brackets. Yeah, if you're sure, <laughs> or if you're comfortable. Like, yeah. I know this is clickbaity, but please don't feel like you have to because I wouldn't be as comfortable as you are with certain things yeah, being taken yeah, out of sure. context. Like, you're you're amazing for that. Um, okay, so I think to round up, like, look, the question of this episode, can being in a relationship damage your focus and productivity? Yes. It's up to you. If to, you allow it. If you allow it. It's up to you to define the degree of which. Yeah. I think even, I think if the relationship is going to work, I think, yeah, it has to damage it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you put it this way, right? Not everyone will have that opinion, I think. No, like... If, if if work is your absolute priority and then you have a new relationship, if you are, if work is getting all of your focus, like I mean all of it, the relationship can't grow. It, mm. it, it can't grow. Put it this way. If you've got two flowers in the garden, a yellow rose and a red rose, right? And you only water the red one every day, the yellow one's going to die. Yeah? Yeah. So it's the exact same thing. We use flower analogies for relationships all of the time, right? So if the red rose is your work and the yellow rose is your relationship, you need to be dividing your time between them equally. Yeah. But I have to say in what I'm in right now, right, like we've both said work comes first. Work comes first. But I think we're more driven for it to go where it's going because there's someone else there now. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But it does scare me being like, yeah, work comes first, but there's different times of the year given our roles and his role mm. right now as of recording this where the yellow roles gets all the focus. And other times of the year where the red rose gets all the focus. But that's still balance. So I think, yeah, but it's a balance that's new to me, but I'm excited to dive into. But I do think it's okay to say, it's a difficult one because like you can't say, no, my relationship comes first. Because mm. then the L rose is getting nothing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how my love interest develops because we are in the exact same field for the first yeah. time in my life. I've never, ever dated. More exact than I could have ever imagined you would find. Like I, not that I never thought it, but I mean, just when it comes down to what you do and your style, like I literally, I'm like gobsmacked. It's almost like I spent loads of money and just went to a laboratory and said, can you make me a woman? It's literally, <laughs> it blows my mind. It's a little bit insane. Can I ask you what I, um, what age she is? But you want to tell me off the pod? I'll tell, tell me you. off the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not a big age. It's not a massive age gap. Okay. Yeah. She's, not, she's not 55. <laughs> oh my God, gosh. I'm still amused at that. Yeah, she's a few years younger than me, but it's only a few. Well, I love this for you. Watch this space. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how that balance and dynamic goes because 
Like our work is literally the same. Literally the same. This is so interesting for both of us because we started the Dating Games podcast off the back of being so sick of like just what's going on in the dating world and things like kickstarting and then falling apart Mm. and just wanting to help people navigate this world. And now we're at a point in the dating games where we're both a lot deeper into navigating something. But I think it's helped our perspective so much with all of this. Absolutely. I don't think I would be where I am now if not for this podcast. Same. Because with every fist bump... um, (laughs) Because with every episode that we do, we're learning more about ourselves. Every episode that we record is like another step in our self-development and our relationship development. Yeah, absolutely. And we're learning tools that we can apply to our real lives. Uh, We know when things aren't working, when things are working. Mm. Like, yeah, every episode is absolutely helping us tenfold. And every time we're like, this is going to be a shorter episode, it'll probably be half an hour. It's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) but I love it because that is literally us doing the work live. It's just happening. Um, And I love it. I love it. I hope that translates across to to the listeners anyways. Um, Fingers crossed. And if it does translate across, please do rate and subscribe and follow the podcast. Share it to your, I don't know, your partner, your mom, your therapist, your granny whoever is needing to listen to it even if they're in a happy relationship for 50 years send them anyways this um, is the sort of episode i think can benefit a lot of people and yeah. i really hope so just put us on the straight and narrow give us the reminding that we need sometimes this is one i might come back and listen to in the future when i need to yeah um absolutely and on that note natalie round us up my dear Guys, it's been a pleasure. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, interact, send us a DM, find your socials. Um, they're in the show notes. Um, and I just, I hope you love this episode. I hope you go about your day or your night now feeling like you are going to establish a wonderful balance within your life and that you're motivated to build that discipline. Absolutely. And you know a new term, limerence. You'll be able to spot it, whether you're dealing with it, how far along that limerence spectrum that you are, and you'll be able to (laughs) find that balance a little easier than before. So on that note, we love you. And we'll leave you. Take care.